You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Any news today, Tito, at all? (laughs) (laughs) Dang, Rosie, (laughs) that's your job. (laughs) This is the Rosie Report. The next round's on Rosie, and we'll read his credit card number here in just a moment. Regular season roundup. Catch it, Rosie! Nicely done, Rosebud. Now, here's Jim Rosenhouse. Hi, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup. This is episode number 70 following Monday night's 5 to 4 loss in Minneapolis in 10 innings for the Indians. And uh, Jim Rosenhouse, along with you, if you like to play the numbers game with us, it is episode number 70, and it is starting to get a little thin in terms of uniform numbers as uh, we're running out. I, I can promise you we won't get into triple digits. We may in episodes, but not in uniform numbers. But former Indians who have worn number 70, actually current Indians, who have worn number 70, James Karinchak, when he first called up to the big leagues, wore number 70 for the Tribe, and of course he has switched to 99 in honor of the wild thing. But uh, Karinchak, the most recent to wear number 70 for the Tribe. Well, a tough one last night. The Indians with a lot of opportunities but couldn't convert on many, and they end up losing to the Twins 5-4 to in the series opener in Minneapolis. After the game, Indians acting manager DeMarlo Hale weighed in. What did you think of Quantrill tonight? You know, I I thought he struggled a little bit. Didn't have his his best command. Um, you know, only one walk, but he he did hit two batters trying to pitch in. But you know, when you talk about five innings um, that he gave us, you know, I think the game was tied. Uh, I think he battled his butt off and 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 made some pitches in some uh, in some key spots. Um, you know, the strikeouts that he got, uh, I think three of them was looking. So, um, you know, he, he made some pitches to get through five, um, but um, I didn't think he had his best stuff. But I also think that him being able to get through those five innings and, um, you know, have the game where it was is, is, uh, is a compliment to him. Marlo, I know you had – Classe warming before the 10th, any thought to go into him or what went into the decision to go with Nick for another inning? Well, if we got the lead, um, Classe came in to close. Um, being on the road, we're going to have to close. And um, uh, I thought Whit, um, uh, Whitmer was pretty good. Uh, he's been uh, making some pitches. He's went multi-innings his last time, uh, last couple of times out. So uh, I felt pretty good about that, you know, and I, I thought, you know, matchup-wise, uh, you know, he, he got some decent numbers against the guys he was facing. So uh, I think Sano is the one that, you know, uh, had hit him pretty well. Um, but that was it because we got we got to close the game. Um, they're going to get last at bat. What did you think of how Zimmer swung the bat today? I mean, yeah, he, he swung the bat good. Ball came off his bat. Um, he had a great at bat against the lefty there uh, in the 10th there. Uh, I don't know how many pitches it was, but um, I thought he was um, um, focused, battled, um, 
fought out some tough pitches and, and, and really just, you know, swung through that last one. So, um, you know, not seeing or not looking for the results, but, you know, really the approach, you know, that, uh, you know, he's been going at it. That's what, you know, basically gave me confidence to let him go up there and, 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 and hit, you know, I felt good about him. I mean, you look at this game, I mean, I mean, Garza came in, you know, gave us um, some innings to get to um, Parker. I, I thought Parker in uh, that inning, very good situational pitching, um, you know, got out of there. Um, and, and, you know, Kierczak, you know, came in in the eighth and got the outs uh, after the double with one out. So, you know, just a great effort. You know, came up short. Um, you know, they kicked the ball around a little bit. I think they had three or four errors. Um, and, um, <clears throat> you know, when, when I look back, just didn't get a big hit that, you know, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. What do you think of the play Hosey made there in the 10th inning before the game winner? Very good. I mean, <clears throat> once he got behind uh, Kepler there, um, just load the bases, get a force play, uh, or that type of play, really, you know, trying to get two outs, you're kind of in a tough spot, but uh, right on right, um, Wick got the ground ball. Uh, Jose made a uh, good play, stepped on third, and, you know, Hedgy heads up, was going to tag. So, you know, actually we gave ourselves a chance to get out of that inning. Um, you know, Polanco, you know, had a good swing. I don't know where the ball was, but, Probably was mislocated, you know, knowing wit and um, hedges there. But, uh, you know, very happy with the effort. Uh, very happy. And he referenced Cal Quantrill there, and uh, it was a battle every step of the way for Quantrill with his command. He was also hit by a line drive in his non-throwing arm. But uh, a lot going on for Quantrill, and he talked about it after the game. Cal, would you, um, would you say this is one of those starts with command? Was something that was difficult at, at times for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is the worst I felt in a couple months now, but it's all right. It's part of the game. You're not going to have your A game every day. So I thought uh, we battled pretty good. We worked with what we had. Um, but no, no, I definitely not one to write home about. When you get into a game like that where you know you don't have your best stuff, what, what, what do you kind of go to to get yourself through it? I think you just you have a responsibility to your team, like uh, both to provide energy, but also to to compete, try and stay in the game as long as you can. I think that for me today, it was pretty clear early on that it was not going to be an easy day at the art. So, um, you know, last as long as I can and try and, and keep the team, you know, within striking distance. Well, it's been sort of a roller coaster for this rotation this year with the injuries and guys coming in and pitching at this level for the first time. Just where do you feel like the rotation's at now, especially as you think about, you know, strides you've made, Tristan has made, Eli's come up and pitched well. Just just how do you feel about the group as a whole? Yeah, I think we have five, six, uh, seven maybe um, quality MLB starters. I think that uh, we take a lot of pride in doing our job well. Um, I think it was frustrating for, for all of us. Um, in media, that last run up with age, is an earned run. Maybe uh, 
take that big step forward and pick up some of our guys that got hurt the way we wanted to. But I think lately we have done that. And uh, I think there's a lot to be proud of. Um, obviously, we'll continue to try and make strides forward. And, and for me today, it was, wasn't perfect. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, we're grinding. We're working hard. We're improving. I think every time out, I see improvements from all of us. Obviously, yesterday, Tristan was special. But I think just in general, he's, he's been much, much better these, this last month. And Eli's pitching really well. His numbers aren't, aren't I don't think, are doing justice to, to the, comp, the you know, level of competition he's playing at. So it's been good. That fifth inning, when you know you're probably towards the end and you got a guy on first and going against Sano, who obviously got a lot of power, what, what's going through your mind and how exciting is it to get that 6 4 3 to, to finish that inning off? Yeah, Sano's a big guy. Um, I don't think it really changes much. I mean, obviously, you're aware of the fact that the pitch counts out. You've been laboring a little bit, but uh, the approach didn't change. We were still going to try and get him out the way we we're going to plan on getting him out. And if he happens to hit into a double play, that's a bonus. Cal, what, what happened on the comeback early in the game that hit you? Yeah, crush me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, thankfully, it was the left arm. Uh, we wouldn't got a check. No, nothing broken. So, um, yeah, just. Don't throw balls there, I guess. That's Cal Quantrill, one of the Indians' stronger starting pitchers in the second half of the season. And as a bonus, before we uh, wrap this one up, we had a chance to visit with Tristan McKenzie yesterday, the day after his near-perfect game as he made it into the bottom of the eighth inning in Detroit with a perfect game going. And uh, with two outs in that bottom of the eighth inning, Harold Castro came up with the base hit. And when we visited with Tristan yesterday, he talked about the excitement and what the last 24 hours since his near perfecto have been like for him. Uh, just kind of reminiscing on the start and trying to pick, pick apart the things that I did well and take them into the next one. Uh, I feel like I would, I would very much have liked to complete the perfect game, but it didn't happen, and it's more just that taking, taking it in stride almost, it's like learning from what, what felt good and what, what we can use moving into this next start. As you got deeper into that game, um, when did you start to pick up on the fact that you had something special? I, I know I heard afterward that, that you kind of keep tabs on this in every start. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Bieber said it before, and I, I'm definitely going to start saying it. it's more just like most of the time, like, you give up a hit early on, and it's kind of like you don't even have to think about, oh, I, I have a no-hit or, oh, I have a perfect game or whatever it is. It's like once you get past the second, third inning and there hasn't been any movement on the base, you haven't had to come out of the stretch at all, you, you definitely, like, pay attention to it. And – that old, I don't know if it's a, a superstition or, or just baseball, but no one's supposed to talk to the guy who has the good one going, whether it's no hit or perfect game, but that didn't seem to be the case for you. What was going on with you and Austin Hedges? Uh, so I, I was actually talking to some guys today about it, and they're like, oh, you were very talkative, and you seemed like you were being like the biggest cheerleader on the bench. And I was like, "It's that was me just trying to stay engaged in the game and not like – feel that the game was all about me because then I would have started to, to freak out on the inside because I, I was already doing that as much as it was. Uh, it was more just me trying to like project and like just be a part of the game, be a part of the team, and, and Hedges was doing a good job of just keeping me locked in. So maybe you could be a trendsetter, and, and this is the way it goes now for, for guys who have no hitters deep. Uh, everybody's a little bit different. There was, there was a big part of me that didn't want to talk to anybody. I wanted to kind of crawl in the hole and just make sure I could go out there and perform. Stay tuned. We'll have more with Tristan McKenzie after this short break. Welcome back to Indians Warm-Up. Tristan McKenzie joining us. Great game yesterday over in Detroit. A perfect game 
through uh, into the bottom half of the eighth inning, ended up allowing one hit over his eight innings of work. You allow the base hit, and, and I know you've talked before about uh, how much your teammates help you in, in good times and the struggling times too. What did you think of their reaction after you allowed the base hit? Because I, I saw you walked off the back of the mound there, and, and what was it like then? Uh, I mean, I felt like as soon as I gave up the hit, uh, the game almost sped up on me a little bit, and I was trying to like rush to get back on the mound and rush to try and get back to work. And I didn't even, in my mind, take time to kind of appreciate the, the effort that I put in to, to get to that deep in the game in the first place and just kind of look around the field, looking at the fans, looking at my teammates, kind of like stopping the game to, to genuinely appreciate my effort was, was huge to me, and it kind of made it sink in and made, made it that much more of a deal to me. And every once in a while you see a starting pitcher, they get done, and, and after the inning's over, they'll head up the tunnel and start their, their post-game work. But you hung around. Um, why was that so important? Uh, I feel like as a team, we, we want wins. We, we play for wins. And I felt like if I put a, put together an, an, an outing like that and I'm able to watch the end of the game and watch us come off a big win, a big series win, especially when we, we ended the last series kind of down, uh, it was it was just huge to me to just be a part of the team. And when you look at at what this can do in terms of propelling you now for the, for the, the last stretch of games, uh, what kind of benefits do you think you can take from this? Uh, I feel like it's a team game, and, and moving forward, it's just picking all the positives from the game, whether it was me, whether it was the guys behind me playing for me, uh, whether it was the bats kind of coming alive early on, and just carrying that for the rest of the game, for, for the rest of the season. 11 runs, did that make a difference? Uh, it definitely put my mind at ease. That's going to do it for this edition of the Rosie Report regular season roundup. As always, thanks to Bart Swain, Corp Ferry Trip, and Austin Controllis for their help in putting together our podcast on a regular basis. Until next time, I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the Rosie Report. This has been the Rosie Report. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.